Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I am your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody, and once again, welcome to our show. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series of books, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters, all of which are available at Amazon. And if you're an audiophile, you can get volumes 1 through 8 in audible format at Audible, iTunes, and Amazon as well. May I encourage you to go out and buy a copy, or two, or three, or ten, and show some support for what we're doing. And now, without any further ado, let me bring in my co-host and blood brother, KJ Sheehan. Kev, how are you? What's going on, Bill? Uh, all kinds of stuff. Uh, I'm actually, after we're done with this podcast uh, this evening, I'm actually going to go out east and try to catch a fish. Whoa. Very yeah, good. So I, I figure I'll burn the midnight oil tonight. and Why not? S- see if I can't drum something up. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, uh, for what it's worth, I sense an Apache flyover tonight. I don't know why, but <laughs> I think they're coming. <laughs> I think uh, they're coming. And by the way, Bill, I mean you'll you'll sell a dozen books if somebody wants a dozen at a time, right? Or maybe a gross of books. Well, 144 of, of them. There's nothing wrong with that, and I can't see why you wouldn't invest in them and just hand them out on the street corner. Hey, you know Halloween is coming. Why not give away a Bigfoot book in every <laughs> trick or treater's bag? Yeah, and our, our, our last contest uh, winner uh, emailed me back, so I have to uh, recall with everything else that's going on in my life right now uh, to write up a uh, packet and get that uh, book out to her. So, really, drats, uh, huh, Bill? You actually have to give a book away. Yeah, I have no problem. <laughs> I really. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I know. Shoot. I could. She was listening. Away. She was listening. Rats. Yeah, I was hoping rats. that that autographed copy would come my way. You know what? Uh, before you start off with your uh, uh, cryptids in the news and other oddities segment, I came across, I was cleaning up around my desk, and uh, this is an old email that was sent to me, and the guy has his phone number on it. I'm not even certain I ever contacted this fellow. Uh, mm-hmm. And I am going to call him. Uh, I may have spoken to him. I may not. I had no recollection of it. But just listen to this for a second. I know this would ordinarily fall in our uh, listener mail section, but listen to this. Sir, I always enjoy your podcasts. 
I live in Southwest Colorado, Durango area. I worked with a guy that found a 250-pound black bear torn in half near his home. He just found the upper half that was torn at the short ribs, not cut with a knife. It was carried and dropped in place, not dragged on the ground. He never found the lower half of the bear. He has also found a 25-foot-tall pine tree ripped out of the ground and hung upside down in the top of another tree. He also recorded a scream-slash-growl off his front porch one night. Also, his neighbor found huge tracks outside a bedroom window where it had been peeping in. He and his neighbor have also seen several aspen trees pushed over in their yard. I also found another area two years ago, a teepee structure made from four to six six inch diameter oaks that was snapped, not sawed on the ends. 150 yards from the teepee, there's an upside down tree shoved into the ground. The teepee and upside down tree appear to be 30 or 40 years old, not recent. I have photos if you are interested. (laughs) <laughs> I am interested. <clears throat> How am I supposed to compete with that, Bill? I'm telling you, man. I just, you know, I uh, sometimes the desk, you know, I've got uh, a music stand here that I have papers lined up on. I've got stuff all over the place, notes, memos. And I unfold this sheet. And I, I look at it. And I'm like, huh, I don't remember this. And the fellow's name is Rod. Rod, if you're listening, I'm going to be calling you. There and you go. I, I don't have pictures, uh, and I really don't recall talking to him. Maybe I just pushed it off to the side and said, well, I'll give him a call, and it got buried under the uh, the rubble. Yeah. Very pretty, cool. Pretty nuts, huh? Yeah, I'm actually, uh, I didn't tell you yet, but uh, next summer I have a fly fishing trip uh, scheduled for just southwest of Durango, Colorado, across the border in New Mexico. Wow. Apparently the fish are giant there and dumb enough to bite one of my flies. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't say they're dumb. Maybe they're just blind. Yeah, well, you know, when I was doing some fly fishing, I always had success with what they call terrestrials. Oh, yeah. Drunks. And all all that means is little things that look like uh Black ants, spiders. I was say, stuff that crawls on the ground, right? That's right. They fall off a branch, they float down river, and uh, the trout come up and nail them. I have my best success here by my house with the woolly bugger. Yeah. Which is like the universal fly. <laughs> yeah, the woolly bugger, the streamers, the nymphs, yeah. all of that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, so what do you got, bro? What do we got in our... Oh, uh, man. We're going to Ireland tonight. Hi. Hey, <laughs> I might have a pint or two of Guinness, mother's milk. <laughs> so we're going to talk about a cryptid bill tonight that I had never heard of, but I came across and it sounds super cool. Okay. It's called the Duor Coo. Duor Have you coup? heard of that one? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no. Duor Coo. 
Okay. <clears throat> which I guess in Gaelic is spelled D-O-B-H-A-R-C-H-U. Okay. And this, uh, a lot of the facts here come from irishcentral.com. So thanks okay. to irishcentral.com. But you can find a lot of information on the Duwarku uh, out there on the interweb. So uh, this is a creature that is part of Irish folklore, but you'll see there's some good facts about this creature that I'm going to get to, including some sightings that go back hundreds of years. Okay. So uh, it's not like just a mythological creature. It's the real deal. I think you'll agree at the end. And it is a freaky-deaky creature. Creature, <laughs> and we like them. We do like those. I mean, you know, my As favorite as- is my favorite is Springheel Jack. I'm still looking yeah. for another Springheel Jack. Yeah. You know, we like freaky deaky creatures as long as they're not creeping up on us at odd hours of the night when we're out walking. Oh, now you're now you're afraid of the black eyed children. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. If I ever see a black eyed kid. He's going to catch five in the face as fast as I can throw him. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to be afraid of. We just yeah. want to borrow your telephone. That's okay, but first, little black-eyed creep, take this! <laughs> <laughs> boom, 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 boom! <laughs> That's probably the one time you got to worry about reloading. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the Duarku is a, a lake monster that's in it, inhabited or rumored to be have inhabited the lakes of the British Isles, including Ireland, uh, since ancient times. And if you translate the name Duarku in Gaelic, it loosely means water hound or hound of the deep. Wow. So that's pretty creepy right there, right? Hound of the Deep? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, the head. A lot of water creatures are said to have, like, the head of a horse. Yes. Or some type of snout or something. Like I champ. Could, yeah. 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 I could see the translation going over to the water hound or hound of the deep, you know? Well, you're going to like this one then. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so this thing is rumored to be a cross between a giant otter, like a river otter or a sea otter, but a giant one, right. and some type of hound. Boy, oh boy. So it's rumored to be about seven feet long. Okay. Or about the size of a large crocodile. <laughs> yeah. I think and they put talk this- about What's I was that? just going to say, that thing could put the snap on you if you were swimming in oh, a lake. Yeah. And they <laughs> describe it as a bloodthirsty, gruesome creature. <laughs> you didn't hear friendly there, did you? No friendly. Bloodthirsty. Yeah. I mean, that kind of that spells it out right there, Bill. Like, when you say bloodthirsty, okay. <laughs> All right, I'm giving it a wide berth. Yeah, I th- bloodthirsty is just like, you know, uh, a snapping pit bull or, uh, you know, yes. something that's not going to stop. Until like a seven is- foot long pit bull that lives <laughs> in the bottom of the lake. <laughs> 
Oh, man. All right. And it, so get this. So the thing is known for its speed, aggression, and guess what? Its appetite for human flesh. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. What so could what be would wrong be worse that? than? Yeah. What would be worse than one <laughs> of these creatures, Bill? Maybe a school of them. Well, school would definitely be worse. But they're rumored <laughs> to travel in pairs. Wow. Where the second one that you don't see is looking after the first one that you ran into. Wow. So they say that usually there's two of these beasts, and when one is hurt or killed, its mate will swim up from the depths of the water and avenge the killing by relentlessly pursuing the attacker, killing them, and eating them. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you remember that scene in Jaws? where they showed from underneath the woman swimming on the surface and uh, then the music yeah. began. Dun, 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 yeah. dun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. That's what I was just visualizing now with this uh, uh, yeah. bloodthirsty little fiend. Well, it gets better than that. So say, uh, using the Jaws description, Captain uh-huh. Quint is up there in the Orca. Yeah. And he throws a harpoon into this first one, right? Uh-huh. All of a sudden, this thing lets out this high-pitched whistle, huh. unlike anything anyone ever heard before. And that whistle is actually communicating with its mate and saying, hey, get your butt up here and rip the heck out of these folks that just hurt me. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a high pitched whistle to warn its mate. And then we yeah, exactly. And then we get into some of these accounts where this happened. Okay. Oh my goodness. So, <laughs> so there's there's some kind of crazy evidence involved here of people who have been ripped apart by this thing? Yeah, well you be the judge after I tell you about them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the sightings of this beast go all the way back to sixteen eighty four. All right. And in fact, one of the uh, recordings that was written down was in 1896 in the Journal of the Royal Society of Antiquities of Ireland. Okay. And this woman, Miss Walkington, described it as being half wolf dog and half fish. Jeez. Yeah. And then a few months after she published a letter about this creature, another person named Mr. Mr. Chichester Hart responded, and he said that he had heard rumors about a gruesome creature called Duarchu, Duarku, sorry, which is said to be the king of all lakes and father of all otters. <laughs> wow. Like, like sea otters or river otters. Yeah, father of otters. Father of otters, like the giant otter. Wow. Yeah. You know, this public... Oh, go ahead. No, the publication sounds like it's, uh, you know, it's certainly got a very... official. Official kind of name, you know, the Department of Antiquities. It doesn't sound like the Weekly World News, not that I don't believe everything in the (laughs) Weekly World News. Yeah. (laughs) 
And then, as recently as 2000, right, uh, an Irish artist named Sean Cochran and his wife claimed to have witnessed a sighting of Duwarku in a lake on Ami Island in Connemara in County Galway. And Cochran describes it as a large, dark beast with orange flippers. And he says, the creature swam the width of the lake from west to east in what seemed like a matter of a few seconds. And then Cochran concludes that it finally leaped onto a huge boulder and then disappeared, but before disappearing, gave, quote, a most haunting screech, unquote. Huh. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. And then well, you some know, folks... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I, I've seen otters uh, swimming, and they are, like, super quick and agile in the water, like a seal or something, you know? Oh, yeah, and they're, they look kind of cute and cuddly, but they're pretty vicious, actually. Okay, so it makes yeah. sense there. It kind of goes in yeah. suit. And when I was in Alaska, like, some of the otters were, like, six feet long. You know, they're big. Wow. Yeah, they're big. Wow. Everything's wow, bigger in Alaska. Yeah, well, like Texas, right? They say everything's exactly. bigger in Texas. Exactly. That's especially crazy, in the, man. Especially in the big thicket. Yeah. Well, you know. Why don't you take a little vacay in the big thicket? Wait a minute. Why don't I go over to that bridge and see the goat-headed beast, too? Because I'm not crazy, that's why. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So one of the most famous sightings of this beast is an account from Glenade County from 1722. And it's related to the murder of a woman named Grace McLaughlin. And in this story about Grace, get this, and you can still apparently hear about this story in this part of Ireland as being sworn to be true. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So this woman, Grace, otherwise known as Grace of Grain Connolly, um, and this was custom at the time, they say, was that the woman retained her maiden name after marriage. She lived in a town that was on the border of Leitrim and Sligo, which I've been to Sligo, which is beautiful out in Western Ireland. Uh And um, on September 22nd, 1722, Grace came down to the lake to bathe and perhaps wash some clothes. While she was doing this, a huge monster emerged from the water and savagely attacked, then killed Grace. She was later found by her husband, Terence. Terence saw her bloodied body on the side of the lake and to his horror saw the huge beast which had killed his wife lying asleep across her dead body. Oh. Yes. Heartbroken with grief and fury, Terence knew at once that it was the Duar coup. Holy smoke. So Terence immediately found a knife on his, you know, on his body and killed the monster. However, the creature during its death throes let out the high-pitched whistle, Hmm. which alerted its mate to what was happening 
and a second Tuwarku emerged at once from the depths of the lake. Terrified, Terence ran as fast as he could, jumped on his horse to ride for his life as the second Tuwarku pursued him on land. Wow. And apparently it pursued him very closely for miles and miles, okay? And Terence had to stop to have his horse get some water and get reshod or reshoed by a blacksmith in Cashel Garen. And this gentleman, the blacksmith in Cashel Garen, knew of the ways of this creature. And huh. he gave Terence a sword and told him, when this creature charges you, he'll put his head right through your horse. And as soon as he does, you be quick and cut its head off. Pretty crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, so he gets it gets better. So Terence rides away, still on his horse, near the forge of the blacksmith. This huge beast comes at full charge and puts its head right through his horse, just as it was predicted. And Terence was ready, de determined to get even with the beast for his wife's murder, and he put the sword through the Duarku's head, killing it instantly. Holy smoke, what a freaking tale. I mean, is that amazing? It is amazing, and you say to yourself, how many things are actually in a lake over there in Ireland that could come out of the water and kill a human being? Uh, and chase them on land. Yeah, I mean, just ravaging the little, woman. A little bit it. like a dog man, right? Yeah, yeah, this thing is... Uh, Talk about bloodthirsty. Talk about so vicious. So get this. You know, if you sit there, right, and you don't believe this, and uh, you haven't been over to Ireland, well, put it on your tourist list, you know, yeah. as well as kissing the Blarney Stone like I did and, <laughs> you know, going on the Ring of, Ring of Killarney and going out to, you know, drink some pints, seeing the dolphin and fungi, uh, seeing <laughs> fungi the dolphin, sorry. Um you can actually see the gravestone of graces from way back when <laughs> and the carved in image of the duarku is on her gravestone and the creature is depicted lying down with its head and neck flung backwards so that it lies flat along its back in its death throes wow and a spear-like weapon is shown piercing the base of the creature's neck Wow, that's incredible. Isn't that crazy? Yes. Yeah, On the old, tombstone. Old tombstone, you know. Of this woman with uh, a beast uh, on it. I wonder if this tombstone is in an actual graveyard or in the area where it was purportedly happened. Oh, I'm sure it's in the graveyard. The Irish, you know, they're good at yeah, yeah. their graveyards. Well, listen, folks, we have a lot of friends over there in Ireland. If you have anything to add to this. Yeah. Certainly, Tell us uh, about the Duarku. Yeah, and maybe someone uh, someone out there is married to the Duarku. You could tell us about her. <laughs> <laughs> now, not someone that behaves like the Duarku. We're talking about the actual Duarku. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just pointing oh, that out, Bill. You know. Yeah, I know. I got it. I got it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, you know. I don't want anybody to think that out there that we're instigating any kind of trouble. 
although that may be true. Uh, On any given day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's a fantastic story, Kev. Isn't it cool? Like, I came across it, and I was like, I never heard of this creature. And I'm like, this is fantastic. And I love this stuff that goes back in time, but yet there's evidence of it back in time, not just the stories, which the stories are great and recorded in, you know, what sounds like a scientific journal. But then, like, the evidence on the tombstone is fantastic. Yeah, the evidence on the tombstone really iced it Yeah, uh, at the end. Yep. Uh, could could somebody have thrown that together way back when? I guess yeah. so. Come but on. why? Yeah. But why? You know, the Irish I, are a God-fearing nation, Bill. They're not going to mess with tombstones. Uh, well, I guess not. But after about four pints of Guinness, yeah, then know. they're more afraid of God, in my experience. <laughs> well, that was cool, man. And you know, I got something here that's kind of <laughs> interesting, and. Uh, uh, let me jump right into it. This is another encounter, and it just shows you how varied uh, the encounters can be. But there's an element to this that lends itself to a uh, an account we did probably a few months months ago involving pine cones. Uh, but let me get into it, and you'll you'll get the gist of it rather quickly. This was brought to my attention by a couple, Dirk and Danielle Matheson, who reside in Fresno, California. This is what they experienced on October 22nd, 2001. It was during October of 2001 that Dirk and I had decided to roll both of our chairs under our desks for five days and head south to the Kiowa Wilderness for a little mental health break. The two of us, being avid runners and cyclists, planned to do a little mountain biking and or hiking. Having arrived at our destination on our first day, we made our way up to Walker's Pass and returned in the afternoon, where we spent the rest of the evening and night in our camper. On the morning of our second day, we had decided to head a little north up to Onyx, And having done so, we hiked into the Domeland Wilderness. We were about four hours into our trek when we decided to cop a squat and leaned against a large pine tree in a really beautiful spot of woods. We were sitting side by side when I suddenly realized that Dirk was snoring, having fallen asleep with his head on my shoulder. And so, as to not wake him up, I actually sat very still, which led to me falling asleep as well. This was by no means a strange happening, for the two of us were physically and mentally exhausted from our busy work schedule, which was why, after all, we had come here. I know now that we had nodded out for about an hour when something whacked me on the head that startled me. I jumped up. And believe it or not, Dirk was still sound asleep. Wondering what had hit me in the head, I looked down and saw a pine cone laying on the ground. At the time, I had just assumed it fell from the tree, having not looked up at the tree itself. 
Feeling sorry for Dirk and not wanting to awaken him, I actually sat back down next to him and closed my eyes. I set the alarm on my phone for 40 minutes before having done so. I now know that I had fallen asleep again when I was yet again awoken from my snooze by something smacking me in the left cheek. This time, I actually said, ouch, which awoke Dirk from his siesta. Honey, you finished telling Bill what happened. So anyway, Danielle starts telling me of being hit by two pine cones, one on the top of her head and the other against her cheek. Let me flip over here. And of course, I looked at the two pine cones and then up into the tree that we were leaning against. A tree which, by the way, I might add, had no pine cones on it whatsoever. Now, both of us were looking up into the tree. I was, I was pointing out to Danielle that the tree, in fact, had no cones on it to drop. And it was at that time that we both heard a slight crunch coming from our right-hand side, which was where a gigantic dead pine was laying on its side in the woods near to us. We both looked at the same time and saw nothing, and I began to grab all of my stuff to begin hiking back out. It was then that Danielle tapped me on the shoulder and mouthed the words, Look over there. She was pointing at the top edge of the pine laying in the woods. As I began to focus on what she was already seeing, I noticed what appeared to be the crown of a head covered in fairly bright-colored red fur, moving back and forth behind the tree's trunk. Suddenly, and without warning, a head began to rise above the trunk, and a pair of black eyes became visible that were staring right at us. Danielle, grabbing my arm intensely, said to me, Oh my God, what is that? No sooner has she said that than the head ducked back down. I said to her, Let's grab our stuff and get the heck out of here. Continuing to watch over our shoulders as we gathered our packs together, this creature, which we now could see was a Sasquatch, stood to its feet behind the log, turned and began to walk away. At first, very slowly, and then at a very rapid pace, disappearing into the woods. The total elapsed time from its standing to being gone from view was maybe 20 seconds at best. I remember letting out a huge sigh, which told me that I had been holding my breath. The tree trunk was about three feet thick, and this creature was at least four more feet taller than it was. The moment I saw its face, it looked like a pale-colored pancake. It was very flat and round, with no hair on it whatsoever. The entire rest of its body was covered in fairly long red or rust-colored hair. I say hair because we could see gray-colored flesh through the hair virtually everywhere on its body. It was extremely burly-looking having somewhat the body of a grizzly bear standing on its hind legs. But make no mistake about it, this was no bear. It walked away perfectly and quickly on two legs without a hitch. 
The two of us stood there for about 10 minutes in a daze after it was gone from view. Neither of us believing at the time what we had just seen, it was like an out-of-body experience for the two of us. And after it was long gone, we walked around the other side of the felled tree to look where it had been standing. When we got there, a collection of pine cones was sitting on the ground, and there were actually two different types. They were exactly like the ones that had hit Danielle, but they weren't from any of the trees that were near us. We assumed that the Sasquatch had brought them there only to leave them behind after we had seen it. It was completely bizarre and utterly surreal. Why this creature had decided to toss pine cones at us is anyone's guess. We'll never know for sure. Perhaps it wanted us to see it, but who really knows? What we do know is that it had obviously brought these pine cones with it from somewhere else. And perhaps seeing us both sleeping had decided to have a little fun with us. But we will never know. What do you think of that, Kev? Very cool. Kind of strange, huh? Very strange. Now, that, that wilderness, though, down in, in uh, uh, Southern Cal, the Kiowa, um, it looks like, um, I was looking it up, so it's northeast of L.A. and southeast of Yosemite, and very close to the Sequoia National Forest, which I've been, of course, I've been to L.A., and I've been to Yosemite, but I've been to Sequoia National Forest as well. So it's pretty close to the giant sequoias and that, which have thousands of pine cones on them. So it's it's interesting, you know. Yeah. A lot yep. of, I would guess there's a lot of pine cones around there, but very cool. Yeah, well, you know how some pines are. They're not conifers. Right. Or, or maybe they're conifers at different times of the year or something. You know, I'm not any yeah. expert. On, uh, nor am I, nor am I. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there was another account. In fact, maybe we didn't do it, but I know I have it. At least one, if not two, where fabricated boxes, for lack of a better word, were found in the woods, uh, woven and made out of branches and boughs. They were like created storage units and in them were pine cones. Really? Which I thought really odd. Like, like I've heard of pine nuts. Have you? Pine, well, uh, I mean, in Italy, they call the pignoli nuts pine nuts. But I don't think they have anything to do with pine trees. <laughs> yeah, what I'm wondering is, when a pine cone dries out, uh, there are little things left from them that kind of fall out after they've dried. The seeds. The, I mean, that's where the trees come from. Yeah, for sure. The seeds. Okay, I wonder. Yeah. I wondered if they were called pine nuts or. I don't or think if so. They, no, like if you go to a supermarket and you buy pine nuts, I don't think they're from pine trees. Okay. Um, so I, don't I know just where they come from, but I wouldn't I just, eat anything from a pine tree. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I, you know, it makes I don't know either. Maybe they're from there. One of our listeners can tell me. Yeah, who the heck knows why anything yeah. would store up pine cones in a bin in yeah. the middle of nowhere if there was some, wasn't was some Other type. than they're really good for starting a fire, Bill. Like, if you're starting a campfire, 
You throw some pine cones in the bottom, you put a match to them, it's great kindling. Well, there you go. I can tell you that. But I don't know about the hairy man having a lot of fires. Yeah, no. And, you know, I learned a long time ago that uh, I was told that the only way a pine tree can reseed is through fire. Through fire. Yeah, the pine cones explode in the fire, apparently. And they release their seeds. Yeah. And that replenishes the the woods. I mean, that's like Yellowstone years ago, Bill. During our lives, when they had the huge fire there... And, uh, you know, now it's as beautiful as ever. I mean, barring if there's any fires recently that I haven't heard about. Right. But it's as beautiful as ever because you gave it enough time to have the fire ravage the place. But then all of the trees grow back, you know, stronger than ever. Believe me, folks, don't write us letters. I'm not a proponent of fires, forest fires. You yeah. Know. Yeah, well, you know, I mean... I won't be having a reveal party where I actually burn down a forest. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what it is, too, Kev? As humanity inhabits all of these places, uh, fires were going on on planet Earth for eons. Forever, yeah. In places where nobody was. Yeah, just lightning strikes, you know. And they would just burn and burn and burn, no fire department, no airdrops, nothing. Nobody parachuting in. Yep, yep, no firefighters. Yep. Uh, So that's that's a remarkable story, though, how this thing popped a lady twice with a couple of pine cones. I love it. I love it. And uh, And the description of the beast with the red fur, you know, and the the big crown of the head and the black eyes, you know. Yeah, and how about that flat pancake face with no fur on it? Yeah. Well, we've heard that before, though. Yeah, it's an oddity, though. It's... Yeah, it, it's not the norm. It's it's obviously some type of bipedal uh, giant creature, but not the norm of what you ha- hear, you know. Yep. So, yep. which tells me, which just tells me, there's different varieties of these things. Sure. You know, and different ages too. You know, like we can't neglect that. We all look different at different ages as humans, and these beasts probably do too. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, I look at one of the pictures on the wall of me when I was like twenty-five, and I look at I look at my face now, and I'm just like, "Holy smoke!" Yeah, don't look, but, don't look, don't compare. don't look, don't look, <laughs> don't compare. <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. That's anyway, what I tell myself. So- I I'm much younger until I look in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> so what do we got, brother, from our uh, listeners today ah, in the mailbox? We got some good listener mail. So this one is really interesting. It comes from Stu. And Stu doesn't say where he's from, but I'm going to guess he's from California. Okay. And he says, I love your podcast, and I look forward to listening every week. It is by far my favorite podcast among the various Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti ones that I know of. Your humorous banner and great stories entertain me greatly. But here we go to the interesting part. All right. By the way, I recognize the closing music, the tolling bells and howling wolf, as sound effects from Disney's Haunted Mansion. (laughs) So, Bill, Uh, I'm going to go on here and I'm going to come back to it. Bigfoot and Disney, two of my favorite things. By the way, I had two sightings of a Yeti at Disney on Expedition Everest at Animal Kingdom. 
<laughs> and at the Matterhorn at Disneyland Park in California. So nice. I, I saw the Yeti at, on those rides as well, Stu, but they're uh-huh. part of the ride. And yeah, they're fantastic, yeah. by the way. But he says, at Disney, I always carry more money than I think I'm going to need. <laughs> Good strategy at Disney, Stu. Keep up the great work. So, Stu, no kidding, and all of our listeners out there, my daughter and I were at Disney's Haunted Mansion in Disneyland in California. And we were there on the ride, which is fantastic, much different than the one in Florida. I'm not saying it's better or worse, but it's different. And we're on the ride, and my daughter says to me, Dad, that's the music from Bigfoot Terror in the Woods. (laughs) (laughs) So, Stu, I assure you, it's not the same. Uh, I assure you it's not the same, but it sounded close enough that even my daughter thought it was the same. Yeah, And I checked it out just to make sure we weren't using Disney's music, of course. And we're not. But it sure sounds similar. Um, and and we were sitting on that ride and thinking, wait a minute, this is Bigfoot Terror in the Woods. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, awesome. Well, yeah, maybe, so they can you, make a, maybe they can make a okay. new ride and call it Bigfoot Terror in the Woods and so we can get royalties yeah, off yeah. of it. Hey, I mean, we're, I'm in for that. I don't know about you, but... <laughs> And but if they, I also agree with you, Stu. At Disney, you should always carry more money than you think you're going to need. That's right. <laughs> and here's an idea. At the beginning of the ride, you could have my face come up on a screen in front of the roller coaster. And I'll and say go, to them, always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. <laughs> I like it. I like it, Bill. I could catch on. <laughs> All right, the next letter comes in from Sean in the UK. Uh-huh. Bill, give me your best Liverpoolian accent. Well, I would, but I'm not really up to it at the moment. <laughs> you know, I got my hands stuck in the boot of my car today. In the boot. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So Sean writes in and says, thanks for entertaining me for hours on the end of your show. I don't know what he means, that we enter, we entertain him for hours on the end of. I don't know. I don't get that, Sean. He says, I live in the UK, so I'm a bit jealous, as there's no chance of me sighting a hairy one here uh-huh. in the UK. Our wildlife over here is fairly tame compared to the US and Canada. Mm-hmm. I still love venturing into the wild, but it's more a case of always taking more sandwiches than you think you're going to need. <laughs> All the best, Sean. So, Sean, let's hope you run into a, a Black Panther or something like that while you're out there. I mean, yeah, come well, on. That, There's well, still that, hope you could be maul, mauled to death, even though it's not a hairy man. Yeah, I'll well, go swimming in the lake and see if that cool uh Sneaks up on you. Yeah, now we're now we're talking. <laughs> Maybe go out on a full moon on the moors yeah. and venture by the slaughtered lamb for a pint. Yeah, what could be wrong <laughs> with that? <laughs> I I can tell you, Sean, you won't see me in the slaughtered <laughs> lamb on a full moon. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's always nice uh, to hear hear from these guys over in uh, Europe, Kev. Oh, I know. It's fantastic. You know, that's really cool. 
And they think they're so safe, but they don't know about the Duwar coup, perhaps. That's right. And they don't know that we're capable of coming across the pond also. <laughs> Hello, Sean. You didn't expect to see me here, did you? WJ from Stateside. Ah! With my pet, <laughs> Duwaku. Duwaku. <laughs> I'm sorry I don't have him on a leash. He just doesn't like to be on a leash. And when I put him on a leash, he whistles for his mate who wants to kill me. <laughs> All right, Bill. Well, that's the last of our letters this week, folks. Keep the letters coming. And thank you so much for all of the five-star reviews. Keep them coming, too. If you haven't given us a five-star review lately, please do so now. It's virtually the only way that we have of attracting new listeners to the podcast. So give us five stars and have a great week. And thank you so much. Yeah, and by the way, folks, uh, I warned you and it happened. I have listed my first reading on TikTok. So, yeah, so I don't know a whole lot about it. It's kind of like a big experiment. Uh, It seems that my handle on there is W.J. Sheehan, Bigfoot Terror, and also W. Sheehan and the number one. And I don't know if any of that matters when you're trying to look me up on there. If you just type in Bigfoot Terror in the Woods or W. Sheehan videos or whatever. But I typed both of those things in and found what I did. So I'm going to be presenting some readings on there. Uh, They're multi-part because you can only do three minutes at a clip. So depending on the length of the read, I join them together in part one, part two, part three, part four, whatever it may be. So have at it and leave me some good reviews and uh, we'll all have a little fun together. Awesome. Yes, it's cool, Kev. TikTok. TikTok. And remember, guys, if you find yourself wandering around in the wilderness or down by the lake or on the moor, make sure of one thing, my friend. Always carry more gun than you think you're gonna need. Sleep tight. <laughs>